0: Hello and welcome to the Katie Helper Show. As you know, you can hear the Katie Helper Show every Wednesday at 7 p.m. on WBAI, that's 99.5 FM, or WBAI.org. You can also find us on SoundCloud and you can also find us on iTunes, where you please we implore you to rate and review us. We're getting great reviews and we would like some more. On today's show, I speak to Representative Ro Khanna, who represents California's 17th District, and I talk to him about Jeff Bezos of Amazon announcing that he will be raising the minimum wage for U.S. workers to $15 an hour. And this is in large part because of a bill that Rokan introduced in the Congress and Bernie Sanders introduced to the Senate that was called the No Bezos bill, which basically was pressuring Jeff Bezos to pay his workers better. And I speak to none other than Nathan Robinson, who is the editor of the excellent magazine current affairs, and Nathan speaks to me about an article that he wrote that's gone very viral for good reason called How We Know Kavanaugh Is Lying. Make sure you go to patreon.com slash the Katie Show. Again, that's patreon.com slash the Katie Helper Show to become Patreon bonus subscribers. I am speaking with Congressman Ro Khanna the Democrat representing California's 17th district. And you may have heard that on Tuesday, CEO Jeff Bezos announced that Amazon would be raising its U.S. minimum wage to $15 an hour. And that was in large part thanks to a bill that Representative Khanna introduced. And so he's going to be talking about that. Pretty big deal. Just happened on Tuesday. Just reading from the New York Times, it says that Amazon has agreed to raise the minimum wage to 15 dollars an hour for its U.S. employees. And the raises apply for part-time workers and those hired through temporary agencies. The company said it would also lobby Washington to raise federal minimum wage. And the new wages will apply to more than 250,000 Amazon employees, including those at the grocery chain Whole Foods, as well as more than 100,000 seasonal employees it plans to hire for the holiday season. And it will go into effect November 1st, and the changes will not apply to contract workers. Do we have Representative Khan on line? Oh, great. Hello. How are you? Good. Good. You? Good. Good. C- Congratulations.
1: Thanks. Yeah, it was a major, major uh, victory uh, yeah. for almost 350,000 workers uh, getting $15 an hour and hopefully setting the standard for the industry. Bernie and I introduced this about a month ago, the Bezos
2: Act. The issue we're talking about today is, I think, an issue that deals with the great economic crisis in America today. And that is despite low unemployment, uh, we end up having tens of millions of Americans working at wages that are just so low. Uh, that they can't adequately take care of their families. And today we have three people in America, the three wealthiest people, who own more wealth than the bottom 50%. And we have the absurd situation that 52% of all new income is going to the top 1%. And I think it is fair to say that the American people are tired of having to subsidize the wealthiest people in this country who are paying wages that are just so low that people can't get by. Uh, Jeff Bezos, the founder of Amazon, is the wealthiest person on earth. Uh, I think, as I understand it, his wealth went up by $2 billion yesterday. Amazon had a good day. uh, And he's worth about $168 billion, not bad. Since the beginning of this year, his wealth has increased by about $260 million every single day. Uh, Congressman Connor and I are proposing legislation that would have Mr. Bezos, the Walton family of Walmart, and other billionaires get off of welfare and start paying their workers a living wage. Specifically, this bill would establish a 100 percent tax on corporations with 500 or more employees equal to the amount of federal benefits received by their low-wage workers. In other words, the taxpayers of this country would no longer be subsidizing The wealthiest people in this country who are paying their workers inadequate wages. And I think the point that Congressman uh, Connor and I are making is that Bezos could play a profound role, not only in Amazon, but as one of the largest corporations in America. If he said today that nobody who is employed at Amazon will receive less than a living wage, this would not only improve lives for thousands of people at Amazon, it would send the message to every corporation in America that that's where we should be going as a nation.
0: On Tuesday, Amazon's uh, CEO, Jeff Bezos said, we listened to our critics, thought hard about what we wanted and decided we want to lead. We're excited about this change and encourage our competitors and other large employers to join us. So you were one of those critics.
2: Uh, and with that, let me introduce Representative Ro of California. Ro.
1: This bill will incentivize companies to pay the wage that workers deserve. Those workers will be able to buy things. That's what's going to grow our economy. That's what always has. You know, when Bernie and I introduced this about a month ago, uh, we were totally discredited by the Beltway and the pundits, and they said, the bill wouldn't work, and right. the economics didn't work. Uh, but I'm glad Jeff Bezos listened, and uh, today uh, there's thousands of workers are going to get $15. Yeah. i uh, have been calling on Amazon uh, to raise their wages to $15. I even cited uh, at the press conference when Senator Sanders and I rolled out the Bezos Act, I sent it, cited Henry Ford's model, and I said to uh, Mr. Bezos, look at what Henry Ford did. In 1914, he doubled wages. He became one of the most popular people in the United States. And there's no reason that a company that is the richest in the world, a trillion-dollar market cap, can't pay its employees $15. So uh, I'm glad uh, that uh, Mr. Bezos listened. But I want to be clear, it wasn't just uh, Senator Sanders and me. I mean, Senator right. Sanders deserves the most credit, but it was a lot of the workers who right. had the courage to tell their stories. And uh, Senator Sanders' office and uh, Warren Gannell and some of the others – started to collect stories. They literally asked Amazon employees to start sharing their stories uh, on uh, social media or with the Senator Sanders' office. Uh, And there were journalists that covered that. Uh, and their courage and the fight for 15, I think, uh, deserve the most credit.
2: I just want to take this opportunity to thank the many hundreds of workers at Amazon fulfillment centers all across this country who contacted our office, who emailed us, who helped us with videos. One of the
3: people
0: that trained me when I came in, he's homeless. I know people who live in their car.
4: It's crazy that I work for the richest men in the world, and yet I'm living check to check. I did work
1: many days that were 15, 16 hours. And I had that mini stroke after one year
3: after taxes you take home $280 a week $280 a week in Phoenix Arizona is not enough money to survive on
1: it's
0: kind of hard to talk about but there was a point where I would find myself crying on my shift and I would hide so people didn't see me
1: Uh, the first reaction to Amazon was defensive saying that the Amazon employees weren't speaking for uh the uh larger companies' experience.
4: Amazon taking on Senator Bernie Sanders, the e-commerce giant, responding in a rare blog post to the senator's repeated claims of poor working conditions at Amazon fulfillment centers. Amazon calling the claims, quote, inaccurate, misleading.
1: But it turned out that they got so many stories uh, that this really uh, made a difference.
0: So they couldn't pretend it was an anomaly because too many people were responding?
1: Too many people responded, and then I think they didn't anticipate how much... Uh, attention the, the Bezos Act would get, the irony is I think it got criticized so much by some of the Beltway economists, but that in itself made it a story. And so every story then talked about the Amazon work conditions. So I think the combination of uh, Bezos, this company, hitting a trillion dollar market cap, workers sharing their stories, uh, the negative attention of the bill, uh, all led to him reconsidering the decision and I think he deserves credit for for what he's done.
0: Yeah, thank God for your um, haters and critics giving you all that free press on your important... Yeah, uh, no, I, I agree. It worked out. Yeah. How did you and, and Senator Sanders think of it? How did you come up with the way you wanted to uh, approach this massive wealth inequality? Because there are a couple oh, of ways I, you could do it, right? A couple different policies.
1: B- both Senator Sanders and I believe strongly in a $15 minimum wage and legislation for that that has been introduced in the, in the Congress. But we wanted to go at it uh, a different way. We wanted to say uh, that, look, these big billionaires and uh, corporations are basically getting corporate welfare, that they are making obscene amounts of profits, becoming trillion-dollar companies, yet paying such low wages taxpayers are stuck with the bill and there's really no excuse that taxpayers should be paying for the food stamps of Amazon employees that Amazon employees the employees at the richest company of the world in the world can't uh, be paid a decent enough wage to not have to rely on public benefits and this argument resonated actually not just among democrats but even among republicans saying yeah why why shouldn't workers at these billion dollar companies be paid a reasonable wage? Why are taxpayers uh, being stuck with the bill? Now, the criticism we received is, well, would this incentivize Amazon to discriminate and not hire or fire people who had kids or people who had public benefits? And we had very strong anti-discrimination provisions in the bill and strong penalties. But the bigger point is that we just, we knew that highlighting the discrepancy of Amazon making so much money and then taxpayers being stuck with the burden of their employees would generate uh, populist uh, anger, frustration at Amazon, and hopefully bring a change.
0: Right. Yeah, I think that something that people really are still in denial about is how much outrage and also a positive, so a positive plan, positive program for moving forward, but also outrage and a moral framing of politics, how galvanizing that is. And there really is this conventional wisdom that I think is so reluctant to acknowledge how much people like you and Sanders and, you know, the minim- the fifteen, Fight for 15 movement, how you guys are really challenging the norm and what's acceptable and shifting the Overton window. And there's, you know, people love dismissing things as utopian or, uh, just as a great idea in 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 theory, but impossible to do in practice. And um, I'm wondering when these when people are going to finally realize that that you don't get the the change without demanding it.
1: Well, I appreciate that. I mean, I uh, completely agree with you. I have uh, to put forward bold ideas. The Republicans aren't afraid of putting right. forth bold ideas. I mean, they they have rammed through a 1.6 trillion dollar tax cut. They're trying to ram through a judge who's been, uh, has allegations, four different credible allegations of sexual assault. And they uh, have their principles as wrong and terrible as they may be, and they fight for them. We're not going to beat that with sort of wishy-washy incrementalism. Right. We need to have our principles, and we need to fight for them. And part of that is looking forward the policies we think make sense. And when we do that, we achieve results. Uh, You know, it's common sense to most people that if you work at the world's richest company, a trillion-dollar company, you should be able to make enough to afford food. You should be able to make enough not to rely on public benefits. That's a common-sense idea. Now, when we introduced this bill, people said, well, don't call it the Bezos Act. Don't make Amazon the enemy. Uh, Don't single them out. But sometimes it's important to single out uh, companies that aren't living up to their standards. And Bezos, to his credit, didn't take it personally. It affected positive change. So we shouldn't be afraid of the fight.
0: Right. Also, people respond to stories, right, and and to symbolism. It's, 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 it's hard to get that excited about something with a really wonky title.
1: You're absolutely right. In fact, this is uh, Senator Sanders' brilliance. So I had introduced uh, this a version of this bill about a year ago, called the Corporate Tax Responsibility Act. And Senator Sanders' office called and said, we're going to introduce this together, and we're going to call it the Bezos Act, and we're going to do it on the day that Amazon hits a trillion dollars wow. market value. And I think it's sometimes we don't people underestimate Senator Sanders' ability to tell a story and capture yeah. people's imagination and how important that is, especially in the age of Trump
0: yeah I totally agree i mean I couldn't agree more, and it's such a that's the the way you counteract trump's right wing populism and like sound bites is through i think in large part effective storytelling the difference is it's actually true right it's just not a small difference it's tr- it, it,
1: it, exactly it's true it speaks to real people's right. concerns exactly uh, and and it's uh and it's reasonable i mean when uh, Jeff Bezos raised wages to fifteen dollars. Senator Sanders was the first to congratulate him. Right. So it's it's done with uh, a bold aspiration, uh, but then uh, something that's for the sake of, of justice, uh, something everyone can relate to, uh, and that uh, is outcome based. I mean, the president's just vindictive and divisive right, for its course. own sake,
0: right? And so it's the Stop Bad Employers by Zeroing Out Subsidies Act. That's what stands for Bezos. I, I have this vision of people in a, in a room, like, brainstorming. And I hear Sanders, zeroing out. That's what we'll go with, <laughs> zeroing out.
1: Well, maybe, you know, I don't know how much uh, uh, Senator Sanders, right. I, I'm sure he said he had the idea of having uh, it be named after Bezos. And Warren Gannell there in his office, and uh, Ari and Josh, uh, he has some brilliant people working for him. Uh, and uh, I'm sure they had a, a role in uh, helping craft the legislation.
0: Um, what is the status of the the act right now?
1: Well, we have ten co-sponsors. Uh, I don't know if Senator Sanders has any in the Senate, uh, but uh, I'm hoping that the success of this will get more people to sponsor it. You know, the problem was as soon as we came out with this bill, we had all these quote unquote democratic think tanks, and I don't want to list them uh Criticized the bill, and it shocked me. I mean, I was getting, we were getting attacked from think tanks in our own party, saying that this wasn't smart economics, and Mm. this wasn't going to make a difference. And you know, I defended it, and it it was a reasonable back and forth. I'm not saying the economists didn't have good points, but they were getting into the the finer points, and we it was a genuine debate, but they were missing the. Broader picture, which is there's something wrong with billion dollar companies don't pay their employees enough and taxpayers are stuck with the bill. And so they were so in the weeds debating back and forth that they scared, I think, a number of members, you know, who don't want to be on the wrong side of these think tanks. Right. Uh, now I'm hoping with the result that more people will get on the
0: bill. What are we talking like? Brookings? Want to name some names? Well, you
1: know, the center of budget priorities. There were a couple others. And some, you know, some of them, I, I have respect for people there that. Got work with them, uh, but for some reason this this bill struck a nerve. With uh, I mean, the Center of Budget Priorities issued a six-page analysis attacking the bill, which is so rare because usually you do that for you know the health care debate or the tax bill, but for a bill like this that uh, hasn't even gone through committees, to do that uh, really touched a nerve. And I think it's because uh, you know, it's going directly at uh corporate power and an and, and inequity. But representing Silicon Valley, I say this to tech leaders all the time. I say people don't begrudge you your entrepreneurship, your innovation, even your economic success. But what they begrudge is when others don't have a stake in it. So when you're paying below fifteen dollars a wage wages and making billions of dollars, there's a problem. It's in your own interest to pay employees well, to pay contractors well, to allow unionization, to let, let everyone have a stake uh, in the digital economy.
0: Right. Um, I want to also ask you about uh, Brett Kavanaugh. And I remember, actually, when I had you on last time, we talked about uh, the Khalil Amar uh, op-ed in The Times, which argued that yeah. the nomination of Kavanaugh was... Trump's classiest act. And you are yourself a Yale law graduate. Um, I
1: try to keep that on the down low these days. Well, honestly,
0: it's fine because uh, Brett Kavanaugh says it about 13 times per minute, I feel like. Got into Yale College.
1: When I got into Yale College, got into Yale Law School.
0: So uh, maybe it needs to balance out. So you have to mention it less. So there's space in the universe for that. But I have to admit, I, I knew that Kavanaugh was really bad. But watching those hearings, I mean, I, I feel like if I were a Republican, if even if I were a Lindsey Graham, I would be humiliated by his behavior. Like, even if I liked his policies and even if I believed him in um, with the sexual assault, and I want to be clear, I don't. And I also think he is terrible pol- uh, politics. His behavior was so what's the word? Like, he was throwing a tantrum. I couldn't believe it when they asked him uh, things about himself, and he would say, like, I, yeah, I like, beer, what do you like to drink? What's your what, what do you like?
1: Yeah. It was contemptuous. You know, for a person who went up there and said he wants to be an umpire and called balls and strikes without uh, any, uh, any bias, you know, he went there and acted as a total partisan. Now, it's one thing, and uh, terrible and Revolting as it is for Donald Trump to throw tantrums, yeah. and say, "Okay, I'm running for president, and if people vote for him." But when you're seeking a judgeship, I mean, Kavanaugh is not running for Congress. Right. He's not for the Senate. He's not running against Klobuchar. Right. Uh, you're, uh, you're you're seeking a uh, a judgeship. Uh, you have to have the humility to respect the democratic process because when he insults Amy Klobuchar, insulting. The state of Minnesota. When he yeah. insults, you know, Dianne Feinstein, he's insult- insulting the state of California. He's insulting the democratic process. And uh, that's what's shocking to me about uh, no Republican willing to speak out because it's the Republicans who really uh, have this mythical view of the judge as impartial and the judge is not a policymaker. Right. And Kavanaugh just put that uh, whole thing to rest. In fact, I was telling a friend, I think secretly, The person who least probably wants Kavanaugh on the court is uh, uh, is John Roberts, because John Roberts, even though I disagree with him on many things, is is a person who cares about legacy and is an institutionalist. And I'm sure he realizes that Kavanaugh coming on that court will just totally destroy any credibility the Supreme Court has.
0: Right. But I think that Republicans, I mean, don't really care about that.
1: They don't. They they don't. They're they're motivated by politics. I mean, I saw a poll recently, scary, that shows that the enthusiasm gap between Democrats and Republicans is closing in the midterms. And this is uh, uh, mobilizing their base. And I I think they're driven uh, largely by political considerations.
0: Yeah, of course. I mean, but how is there any chance Do you think there's any chance that the, the confirmation could be blocked?
1: I do. I mean, I, I know Flake, uh, you know, he comes out with a different statement every day. Right, yeah. If he's retiring.
0: He what's he his, bu- Why can't he just do the right thing? I don't know. I mean, I give him
5: credit for at least
1: delaying the process. Yeah. And I give uh, the, uh, the, uh, the two women in the elevator who protested. Oh, my God, God that, a lot that was amazing, yeah.
5: On Monday, I stood in front of your office with Addie Barkin. I, I told know, so. the story of my sexual assault. Yeah. I told it because I recognized in Dr. Ford's story I that she's here, right? telling the truth. What you are doing is allowing someone who actually violated a woman to sit in the Supreme Court. This is not tolerable. You have children in your family. Think about them. I have two children. I cannot imagine that for the next 50 years, they will have to have someone in the Supreme Court who has been accused of violating a young girl. What are you doing, sir?
4: I was actually assaulted and nobody believed me. I didn't tell anyone and you're telling all women that they don't matter, that they should just stay quiet because if they tell you what happened to them, you're going to ignore them. That's what happened to me and that's what you're telling all women in America, that they don't matter, they should just keep it to themselves because if they have told the truth, you're just going to help that man to power anyway. That's what you're telling all of these women. That's what you're telling me right now. Look at me when I'm talking to you. You're telling me that my assault doesn't matter, that what happened to me doesn't matter, and that you're gonna let people who do these things into power. That's what you're telling me when you vote for him. Don't look away from me. Look at me and tell me that it doesn't matter what happened to me, that you'll let people like that go into the highest court of the land and tell everyone what they can do to their bodies.
5: Senator Flake, do you Thank think you. that Fred, Brett Kavanaugh is telling the truth? Thank you. Do you think that he's able to hold the pain of this country and repair it? That is the work of justice. The way that justice works is you recognize harm. You take responsibility for it, and then you begin to repair it. You're allowing someone who is unwilling to take responsibility for his own actions, and willing to hold the harm that he has done to one woman, actually three women, and end and repair it. You are allowing someone who is unwilling to take responsibility for his own actions to respond? in the higher court of the country and to and to have the role of repairing the harm that has been done in this country to many people. No, no, thank you. What do you think? You Senator, do you care to respond? You want to talk to the staff? No, I want to talk to him. Don't talk to me. What do you think? I understand, but tell me I'm standing right here in front of you. What do you have to, do? you think that he's telling the truth? Thank you, do, no. Do you think that he's telling the truth to the country?
1: Can you not give them an answer, we have
4: Senator?
5: Our, we have, have our press available to talk you to you guys if the you
1: press want. Statement you an answer there. give
4: them an answer? Okay. Thank, thank you.
5: you. Thank
4: you. You, you know. either you know. you know. no
5: answer come in or answer. out. Thank you. Saying thank you is not an answer. This is about the future of our country, sir.
1: So I don't know. I mean, I, I, I think uh, there is a chance. I mean, when Donald Trump goes and does rallies insulting oh Christine gosh. Ford. Yep. I think that helps helps the chances of getting some of these uh, quote-unquote moderate senators to, to flip. So uh, I, I think it could go either way. I think we have to fight it out and, and uh, hope that uh, Flake or Collins or Murkowski will uh, have a moment uh, of doing what's right for the nation.
0: Right. Yeah, I, I think it's a lot scarier um, to have... First of all, it's a lifetime appointment, right, when you're on the Supreme Court. But also, it is it is like... I, I do have a different expectation of Supreme Court justices. Like, they are supposed to be real intellectuals and rational thinkers. And, I mean, Donald Trump is a disturbing president, obviously. But it's, it is, in some ways, actually scarier to see that kind of... Um, Emotionally unregulated and incontinent and, and behavior from someone who's going to be a Supreme Court justice.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, Donald Trump is not going to be there for 40 years. Yeah, exactly. May. And, oh, so uh, and, and Donald Trump isn't uh, being charged for being a jurist. Uh, the, right. Here is what I don't understand about the whole Kavanaugh thing, because people keep talking about due process and him the benefit of the doubt and, and his innocence. Now, I look, I believe uh, Christine Ford and I believe some of the other allegations, yeah. but put that aside. Right. No one is talking here about putting Kavanaugh in jail. No one is even talking about a civil suit where he would have to pay a penalty or a fine right. to Dr. Ford. Right. What we're saying, what is the consequence of not confirming him? That he gets to be on the second highest court exactly. in the land, right. not the highest court. Right.
0: Right, so ruining his life. How could you deprive him of his feel, life and liberty? You know, so much sympathy here. Oh my God, uh, it, it, I, don't it, at, I don't feel. You, that you
1: know, at so, at so all. I think Perfect. that's where I thought it almost his sense of privilege. Oh, that, yeah. And he was feeling this almost trying to play the victim. Yeah. Uh, and uh, here he's had a life of privilege, and and that's not that's not a terrible thing. Look, there are people who've had privileged lives who've done great things right. for humanity, like Franklin Roosevelt, and, yeah, exactly. but they develop the ability to have introspection and empathy, and that's what was totally missing. Yeah, He's, uh, I and, mean, you, and, and
0: it's one thing to have privilege, another thing to totally abuse it, be entitled, and disrespectful. I mean, he reminds me of those, like, Willy Wonka characters, like the kids <laughs> who want a lot of candy and throw tantrums, Veruca Salt. Or-
4: I want a golden goose! Gooses! Geeses! Geeses! I want my geese to lay gold eggs for
0: Easter. Or the the blueberry girl, or whatever.
2: <laughs>
0: oh, Lindsey Graham, I assume you saw him stage his great Oscar-worthy performance. But let me tell you, when it
3: comes to this, you're looking for a fair process. You came to the wrong town at the wrong time, my friend. If you wanted an FBI investigation, you could have come to us. What you want to do is destroy this guy's life, hold this seat open, and hope you win in 2020. You've said that, not me. You've got nothing to apologize for. When you see Sotomayor and Kagan, tell them that Lindsey said, oh, because I voted for them. I would never do to them what you've done to this guy. This is the most unethical sham since I've been in politics. And if you really wanted to know the truth, you sure as hell wouldn't have done what you've done to this guy.
0: Where, by the way, he said basically the the same thing that he did with with Alito. He just takes whatever the um, nominee is being accused of and asks it in the form of a rhetorical question. So with (laughs) Alito, he goes, are you some kind of closet bigot?
3: Are you really a closet bigot?
0: And then Alito gets to say no.
3: I'm not any kind of a bigot.
0: No, sir, you're not. And with Kavanaugh, he goes, are you a gang rapist? And he gets to say no.
3: Are you a gang rapist? No.
0: Oh, did you see him trying to feed him his lines? He was like, is this a job interview? Do
3: you consider this a job interview?
0: And Kavanaugh was like...
2: The advice and consent role is like a job interview. you inter- consider that you've been through a job interview?
1: I've been through a process of advice and consent under the Constitution. Which Would you I, say you've been through hell? I, I've been through uh, hell and then some. This is not
3: a job interview. Yeah. This is hell.
0: It was like watching a, the showbiz mom, like, coach a child actor.
1: Lindsey Graham has a flair for theatrics. It's unfortunate that his judgment has been so awful. I mean, I yeah. I don't know what could be worse, the fact that Lindsey Graham got us into a rock. And wants to get us into Iran, and the thousands of human lives we've lost uh, because of his foreign policy judgments uh, or his theatrics uh, right. on uh, on Kavanaugh. But he's well
0: rounded. Yeah, I'll angling. give him that. He's versatile.
1: Yeah, <laughs> he, you know, he's aiming to be Attorney General for in the Trump administration. Right. And there's a. This is just pure politics. He wants to appeal to the base uh, of the party.
0: But can't the Democrats be a little bit more like, not Grammian, in terms of the uh, killing a lot of people and being a total hawk? But, um, I mean, there is, I feel like there could be more theater from the Dems and more criticism um, of Kavanaugh. I feel like it's a little bit tame.
1: You think so? I mean, I...
4: You
0: know, I
1: thought that some of the people on the Senate committee did a good job, but you well, how would you I don't know. Have, uh, I mean,
0: can't they deme- I mean, can't they shift the conversation so that it's not even about confirmation, it's whether he goes to jail or not?
3: Yeah, no, no, I mean, you
1: you could, I mean, at least uh a call but they did call for investigations yeah, with right. the Montgomery uh police department. I mean, it's I think it's for Democrats. It's just shocking. Right. That this is still moving forward. Uh, I mean, just think of it as common sense. I mean, I wouldn't hire someone who has this background, half this background. I would say, give me a break. I'm not. Why would I hire someone? I'm not going to go through now. If I didn't hire someone, and this was in their background, people wouldn't say that depriving them of of due process. Right. So why why can't the American public have the same right sense? Right. You know, we why why should we? on the highest court of the land, have someone who has doubt uh, and would bring doubt to the institution. I I think, though, the uh, this has just become so partisan. You know, Peter Beinard had a great article in The Atlantic where he pointed out that it was almost as if the worse the accusations against Kavanaugh became, uh, the more the Republicans doubled down mm-hmm. in the defense of right. Kavanaugh. Yeah. And he says that this is just going at their... Core of uh, empowering women's rights and uh, and and going at privilege, and it's the one thing that has unified the right. Republican Party. You know, now you have a you have George W. Bush calling Ugh. senators lobbying for Kavanaugh right. Right? because so the elites of the Republican Party are unified with the Donald Trumps of the Republican Party uh, to protect. Uh, the privilege, uh, and they feel that privilege is uh, under attack, right. and that's uh, that's why they're doubling down.
0: Right, and it's an important reminder for people, because some people like to overly rehabilitate pe- all Republicans who aren't Trump, including George Bush. Um, but yes. Yeah,
1: no, I mean, I was, I was very disappointed, though not shocked. I mean, George W. Bush has been lobbying very, very hard for Kavanaugh, calling, right. working the phones, calling the senators. So, uh, this has uh, really united right. the Republican Party. And it's uh, uh, it, it's an important point to be made because it's not just the Trump wing of the party. This right. is exactly. the entire party.
0: Yeah, I think it's a really – one of the most dangerous narr- – there are a couple of dangerous responses, takeaways from the Trump victory, but I think that one of them is that um, there is the – that he's a, a real fringe and he has an ideology that's very different from other people. Really. He just says a lot of the things that most Republicans think. Um, there's no difference between him and like Paul Ryan. On, on, well, look, he's, he's,
1: he's polling in 90% amongst Republicans. Right. Exactly. Right. There's not a, there's not a single Republican who's willing to contradict him on anything meaningful. So uh, he's obviously speaking to for the base of, of the party and the voters of the
0: party. Right. Yeah. That, so I think that that's one of the myths is that he's like a a real anomaly. And I do think that there is an interesting thing where he's both unprecedented and a continuation at the same time. Um, And I think that that's true with Kavanaugh too, because uh, his, I mean, his ideas aren't that different from other conservative judges, but what's very different is first of all, the accusations and also his, his decorum, but I guess I don't. As as atrocious as he is, and it, and he is worse on many ways. But I don't want people to, you know, some people I think are normalizing other, uh, like Thomas and uh, Alito. And yeah, no,
1: I mean his jurisprudence uh, is his jurisprudence is uh, equally bad. Right. I think the difference here is uh, his character, which is obviously worse. Right. Uh, and. Uh, and his temperament, which yeah. at least the others want, maybe they're partisan deep down, but they cloak it in yeah. uh, and, and and have the pretense of, of being objective. Uh, and uh, here there the, it, it is no uh, no even pretense right. of uh, objectivity.
0: Right. Yeah, it would be. I sometimes I'm like, oh, great! It's refreshing. It's finally exposing the Republicans for what they are. But then the sad thing is they poll well, so it doesn't even help us. Um, so, yeah, it's. No, yeah, no. I
1: mean, it's. A, it's. It, I, I think the only uh, hope is that our turnout will be even larger. I mean, it's. Right. This is a losing issue for them when it looks when you look to the total population, but when then you when you look to midterms, it's all about turnout and. What this has done is gotten more of their base willing to vote. Right. And so we way to counter that is to have young people and those people who are single, people who are, quote-unquote, less likely statistically to vote, right. to show up and vote.
0: Yeah, single. Single and yeah. ready to mingle. Say we, we could have singles parties or something. I don't know, speed dating at polling places. And any advice on how Dems can really excite the base? Because, you know, I, I do think that one of the great things about having people like you and Sanders talk about economics is I remember there was this, this is on Twitter, but and Twitter is just a reflection, though, I think, often of, of a certain kind of national discussion. Um, but people were upset that Sanders was holding a town hall on Amazon when there was stuff happening in Russia. And to me, that kind of was like a peak denial on, um, that exists among some Democrats where they think the solution to getting the vote out is talking about Russia. And regardless of, of how important you think Russia is and how much of a role it played, people don't come out, don't leave their house to vote around Russia. And they do around jobs.
1: I think the key message has to be economic. Yeah. And by economic, it has to be simple. Yeah. What are we going to do to make people's lives better who haven't been making enough and are struggling to pay the bills and who are seeing all these other people do really well right. in their country. Yeah, You know, Donald Trump spoke to them. He said, well, yeah. I'm going to stop immigrants and I'm going to stop and I'm going to beat up on China and these foreign countries. Right. It was a uh, nativist message. It was a xenophobic message, but it was a message. Right. And he had a very clear uh, message. So we've got to have uh, a more honest message. Right. But we've got to have a message for them about exactly. what is it going to mean for their lives. And a lot of these other things, I mean, as important as even the Supreme Court is, and right. it's deeply, deeply, deeply important, right. it's 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 not going to impact right. people directly in the way some of the economic issues are. Right.
0: So or have at to least be immediately, yeah. Right. Um, yeah.
1: It will. I mean, look, Canada is going to be terrible so for working right. families in the long run and in terms of all the decisions on workers' rights and right. collective bargaining. We right. have to. Right. We have to focus on it, but it can't be it can't be at the expense of an economic right. agenda. Right.
0: And because that's what people are constantly thinking about. I mean, it, it's there's questions, a lot of things affect people, but the, the the issue is also what resonates with people.
1: And it doesn't have to be either or, right. but we have to but but we have to have a simple, bold economic message uh, in right. addition to to uh, to, to these other very important issues.
0: It has to be an equal but opposite uh, messaging from Trump's, which is what you guys are doing as opposed to the moderate uh, messaging that is like nondescript, no one remembers and just doesn't defeat right-wing populism. Well, thank you so much, Representative Connor for taking the time to talk to us. Thank you. I love the show. Thanks, Thanks for having me on. Yeah, and we'll have you on again soon. Great. Whenever you can squeeze us in. And to hear the rest of our conversation with Ro Khanna, where he talks to me about Yemen, please go to patreon.com slash the Katie Helper Show. Again, that's patreon.com slash the Katie Helper Show. We have Nathan Robinson on the line. Hello. Hello, Katie. Hello. And Nathan is the editor of Current Affairs. Can you tell people why they should subscribe to Current Affairs? For, it's a, it's yeah. a beautiful print
3: magazine loaded with insightful analysis from a left perspective full of... Uh, we add a lot of satirical advertisements and puzzles and games and little fun things. We try and make the experience of reading it uh, actually enjoyable uh, rather than tedious. Yes. So it's uh, very colorful, full of original art and original writing and uh, no one who subscribes ever regrets it.
0: There you go. It's kind of like the Katie Halper show in written form, mm-hmm. a mix of satire Absolutely. and seriousness. Yes. Um, and yeah, it's a great independent media source and it's very smart and it's very engaging. And Nathan wrote a piece that has gone very viral for good mm-hmm. reason. And that piece is called How We Know Kavanaugh Is Lying. And he also made a video. How did you come up with this piece? Like, you, you detail, how many words is it? Uh, it's about 11,000. <laughs> Give, Give or take. But who's counting? So 11,000 words. Were you watching the, the he- confirmation hearings and, and, and tallying the lies? And how many did you, uh, did you find?
3: I actually well, I lost count eventually right. of the number of You don't lives, have enough especially digits. Especially if you count things that are just evasions or misdirection right. or att- or refusals to answer the question. Right. Um. I, I didn't. I tried not to watch the testimony actually, but then I started reading it afterwards. Right. And I was just you know things stuck out to me really obviously as as just plain deception. Um, and I was a little disappointed with the quality of the analysis that was being produced when it was so obvious that he just said things that were just, I mean, there's no other word for it than lies. Right. So then I started combing through the testimony, and I sort of went, my goodness, this." So much here that he that he just misstated completely, right. or where he tried to draw people's attention away from the truth, or where he just painted a totally misleading portrait of himself.
0: Yeah. Um, I don't know why people aren't <laughs> and aren't emphasizing more the fact that forget like forget what he his, his jurisprudence theory is and even forget the forgetting the accusation, although mm. we we shouldn't obviously, but like no. he just just by the very fact that he's already disqualified himself by lying under Oath. He's yeah. lied during this confirmation hearings, as you document.
3: Well, yeah, I mean, not only, I mean, lying to the Senate is actually pretty serious, right? Right. I mean, it it comes with up to five years in federal prison. Right. Uh, It's a really serious offense. People have been prosecuted for it. You know, Roger Clemens was prosecuted for lying to Congress about baseball. Right. Right? And this is a federal judge who wants to be on the Supreme Court. I mean, I think what we should be really talking about is like impeachment. Right. Not should he be confirmed to the Supreme Court, but how do we remove this guy from office?
0: Yeah. Uh, Life in prison or just impeachment? That's my uh, to, question. Yeah, it's up to five years. Five, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, uh, I don't know actually, I, because I don't know if you know this, but he went to Yale, uh, oh, I, which is his I, response to everything, I think. Yeah,
3: he, he mention may have
0: mentioned it once or twice. Yeah.
3: Once or twice.
0: Go He's to also Yale. Catholic, he goes to church. Um, I love they. I love when they. I mean, it's. It reminds me of when Sarah Palin used to do this. She was asked questions. She just wouldn't respond to them, uh, mm-hmm. which I, I, you know, I imagined. I, I had a fantasy. It was just as absurd as absurdist thing. But you know, I was p- pretended that she uh, was being Virginia Woolfian stream of consciousness, um, challenging the patriarchal linear narrative. Definitely. Um, yeah, that's definitely it. So. What are the uh, worst lies? Would you say? Because one of the one of the yeah. things he keeps saying is that all the other people at the party said it didn't happen. And as you pointed right. out, and others have pointed out, uh, he's that that is a lie. But it's kind of like a it's totally dishonest because what they they're saying is that they don't remember it. And as you point out, one of the witnesses, that one of the people who who um, uh, Ford says was there says that she believes Ford. But yeah. he's basically turning we don't remember it into it didn't happen. But that's yeah. not and even, that pales yeah. in comparison in some ways to the other lies.
3: Well, I, I think it is very important uh, because. It, it is a much stronger statement to say, like, he named these people, and then we asked these people, and they said it right, did not of course. happen.
0: Right. Which um, is very different from not remembering. Because yeah.
3: things that suggests that there's no way it could have happened, but not remembering a tiny gathering you went to in high school that actually is very consistent with it having happened. Right. And you know, and it's just the opposite of the truth to say that, that, that Ford's friend uh, said it didn't happen right. when she says she thinks it did.
0: Yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah.
3: So, so that's, that's humongously important, and he knows. That's the thing. He's a judge. He knows this distinction, and he's doing it deliberately. Uh, he's not an idiot. That's right. But you have to remember. He's no, yeah. History. Although I, he
0: comes across as one, but no, he's obviously it's, not.
3: Yeah, it's yeah, right. Because but, but then there are things like the calendar, right? Oh my gosh. Where right. he says this is just egregious. He says, look at my calendars. I meticulously kept calendars, and. I was never at an event with this group of people Ford names, And then he proceeds to name some other groups of people that he used to go to events with. Um, and, you know, if you look at the group of, then you look at the group of people Ford names. She names him, his friend Mark Judge, a boy named PJ, and some other boy. Well, then you look at the calendar, and there's an event Thursday, July 1st, where he goes for beers to somebody's house with those boys. Right. <laughs> and, and he said
0: he didn't, but he did. So right. can't they just kick him, can't they throw him out based on that alone?
3: Yes. You can't, you can't. Yeah, and, he, and the thing is that not only did he do that, but he tried to draw people's attention away from that event by saying, well, if I'd had drinks with someone, it would have been on the weekend uh, because we had summer jobs uh, and, and I was away during the weekend. Well, that event where he went, to the, when he went out with the boys, that occurred on a weekday. So he was like, "Don't look at the weekdays. Don't look at the weekdays. Just look at the weekends." Ah, right, yeah. And that's so so deceptive and so obviously deceptive. Um, And I don't think you can trust a word he says after that. Right.
0: (laughs) What could the Democrats do? Do you think? What could people do? Uh, Well, I think the first thing the Democrats need to do is start is
3: start framing the issue really well because. their their questioning was often very frustrating in the hearing yeah. because it was all about, you know, would you submit to an investigation and how, you know, when did you first... Instead of just nailing him on some of this stuff and not letting it go and not moving on, and just start saying, I mean, because I think it's very hard for even people on the right to mount any kind of argument for, number one, how some of these things are not just false, right? because they are clearly just false, and number two how any judge who says false things to the Senate that actually are material to the issues around his confirmation can possibly serve as a judge. And if you raise those two challenges, I think it becomes very hard for anyone to defend it.
0: Yeah. So you're listening, Democrats? Please take that into account. (laughs) You have tons of evidence. Um, And, yeah, as you pointed out, if you look at July 1 in his— like, weird pathological calendar, which he keeps because his dad does, too, which sounds like some form of abuse. He talks about, he waxes poetic. He loves distraction. He cries. He does, uh, he gets indignant. Um, He talked about how his dad used to, like, regale the family with um, stories from his calendar journal, which really does sound like abuse. But uh, he wrote wrote, um, Tobin's House Workout. Go to Jimmy's for skis, which is probably Bruce, which is, they... He well, was with, asked
3: if it was Brewskis, and right. he didn't deny it. Right. He he just answered a different question right. that was in
0: his head. Um with Judge Tom PJ Bernie Cyrus or something. Um squeeze, squee. Oh, squee, right. Squee. <laughs> and PJ and uh, and PJ and um uh Judge are two of the people who Yes Christine Ford said he was uh yeah. with. Right. And exactly. he says he yeah. So right there he should be thrown out. I she was a bad egg. Let's ta- exactly. toss them out. That's yeah. It.
3: Where all the other bad eggs go, down the garbage chute to the furnace. And there's tons more, though. I mean, yeah. as I say, I got to 11,000 more, 20-something, you know, invasions or lies, right. and then I just read out. There's more that I haven't even added. Right.
0: In. Well, what are some <laughs> other ones? Let's see. He talks about what, what's, which ones stand out uh, for you. So there's
3: a lot of stuff around the alcohol.
0: Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, no, because- he just has a weak stomach. Yeah,
3: you know, he he, he really tried to down, you know, he said, oh, I liked beer in high school, you know, I did like to drink some beer, but he was asked basically, you know, over and over about the very strong evidence that it was more than just liking beer, like people like beer, but that he was, you know, quite a belligerent and aggressive Drunk. Right. Um, and, that's and, an understatement. and all of those questions he misled the Senate on when he was asked why he was listed as part, being part of the Beach Week Ralphing Club uh, in his yearbook. And he goes, yeah, well, it's because I can't handle spicy food. Right. And that's, that's, that's nonsense. It's not because it's because he drank a lot and threw up a lot. We right. even now have a letter in his own handwriting where he says, like, we're obnoxious drunks and prolific pukers.
0: Yeah, <laughs> right. S- sounds uh, so, lovely. If you say it's because of your sensitive
3: stomach, and it isn't because of your sensitive stomach, then you're lying, right? right. There's no, there's no way around that. Um, he was, and then he was asked, ha, you know, have you ever? I mean, people dwell on the blackout thing. You was right. asked if he blacked out. And he said no. And there was a, one of his Yale classmates said that's not realistic. Right. Um, but he was also asked. Like, have you ever even woken up with your clothes in a different condition to how you remember when you, uh, when you fell asleep? And he said, no never right. and like it's just totally impossible um, I mean people say that I mean, we have so much testimony for people who knew his drinking habits um, in the yearbook they said they were going to try and get through 100 kegs in a year right. and Mark Judge said they actually did it
0: wow. well that's one of the, That's an accomplishment at least that I can <laughs> congratulate him on well Nathan thank you so much for talking to us and sure. I want to talk with you more and I'll post that and um, where can people find you and um, Current Affairs Online currentaffairs.org. Go there and subscribe. Great. Thanks so much for listening to The Katie Helper Show. Don't forget to become Patreon members at patreon.com slash the Show. Again, that's patreon.com slash the Show. Ro Khanna represents California's 17th Congressional District. He's also a graduate of Yale Law School, but don't tell anyone. He's one of only six members of the House of Representatives, and 10 total members of Congress who do not take campaign contributions from political action committees or PACs or corporations. Nathan Robinson is the editor of the excellent magazine, Current Affairs, which you can find at currentaffairs.org. He wrote an article that's gone very viral called How We Know Kavanaugh Is Lying. You can hear the Katie Helper Show every Wednesday at 7 p.m. on WBAI, that's 99.5 FM or WBI.org. You can also find us on SoundCloud. And you can also find us on iTunes. Please rate and review us. See you next week.